Paleo Runner podcast is devoted to finding better ways to live, run, train, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. You can find more information by going to paleorunner.org. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a review. Search for Paleo Runner in iTunes and click Ratings and Reviews. You can also follow me on Facebook.com slash RunPaleo or on Twitter at RunPaleo. I wanted to take a minute to let you know about a product I've been using called 3Fuel. 3Fuel is a sports drink that gives you fat, protein, and carbohydrates to use as a fuel source. Unlike sugary sports drinks, 3Fuel gets absorbed slowly into your bloodstream to give you sustained energy throughout your workout. If you'd like to give it a try, you can get 10% off by using the coupon code 3FOLSON. Go to paleorunner.org and click 3Fuel at the top of the page. If you're listening through the podcast app on iPhone, click the link displayed on the app right now. My guest today is Cassie Bjork. She's a registered licensed dietitian and she's passionate about helping people establish a balanced lifestyle through real food and exercise. She specializes in weight loss, eating disorders, sports nutrition, kids nutrition, women's health, and gut restoration. Cassie, it's great to have you on the show today. To join you today. So Cassie, tell me a little bit about how you got started with nutrition. What's your background like? Well, I've always been interested in nutrition and just how food affects the body. Um, Ever since I can remember, I was an athlete. I was a gymnast and um, now I'm a runner. And I was always interested in how how what I ate affected my performance level. And um, I guess, you know, I love I love research. I love biochemistry. I love the science of how the body works and kind of all those interests put together led me to pursuing nutrition when I was in college. And then I also um, actually got a degree in corporate and community fitness as well, because I really like the whole picture, the whole combination of just a balanced lifestyle with nutrition and just being active as well. Okay. So, so I actually got my, you know, I got my undergraduate degree. And then to be a registered dietitian, you have to go through a really competitive process and get a Academy of Nutrition and Dietetic approved. And about half of people that go to school, at least at my university, um, I think the statistics are still about 50% get one of these internships. So it's pretty competitive. But I got one of those and I went on to complete that in Chicago. And um, it was kind of an interesting journey. I mean, I loved learning about nutrition and research, but everything that I was taught um, just kind of didn't really feel like it aligned with what I believed in my heart about our body and health and nutrition, because I was taught a lot of the conventional wisdom approaches, um, things like, you know, margarine is healthier than butter and eating, you know, whole grain and low fat and just kind of a conventional wisdom approach that um, just didn't seem to work for a lot of the patients that I was treating. And even personally, it didn't really make me feel the best that I thought I could feel. Mm -hmm. So at what point did you start questioning that and then kind of taking a more real foods approach? I always question everything. I think that's just how I am as a person. So I always wanted to see like the research to back it up. And there comes a point when you just kind of have to step back and look at what makes sense and really evaluate what you believe in your heart. And it just never really made sense to me that when you're on a quest to be healthier, you should be eating these prepackaged, low fat processed foods instead of say an avocado, which is a real food, but it has a lot of calories and fat. But you know, in my heart, I always thought, well, gosh, the avocado is the real food. So you'd think that would make sense, you know, versus putting all of these chemicals and artificially sweetened things into our body, you know, chemicals that aren't even, they don't even exist on planet earth. We have to create them in a lab. Um, but you know, those kinds of things make, uh, foods lower in calories and that whole concept just never really seemed to make sense to me. So it really, it really happened kind of during my schooling to be a dietitian. I was kind of questioning things all along, but it was really after 
and was in the process of starting my own private practice that I wanted, you know, I, I really wanted it to be real food based and evidence based based on the science and the research, not just the dogma. So that's when I really started digging into it and just um, started looking at what's really working for people when it comes to feeling their best and losing weight and whatever health goals people have. And it seemed like real food was just the answer to that. And that's really something that I've always believed in my own heart too. Mm -hmm. So do you think part of the problem is, is that traditional science or your traditional training that you got from school kind of demonized fat? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. You know, I'm really an advocate of balanced eating and eating all three of the macronutrients, protein, fat, and carbohydrates. And I really don't think that any diet or way of eating that eliminates one of these completely is really a good one to be on. I think our bodies were designed to metabolize all of them. And I'm really an advocate of, you know, making sure you're getting enough healthy fat, especially for athletes. Like that's just one thing that drives me crazy is when I see these low fat diets being pushed onto athletes because it's not healthy for anyone to be, you know, totally cutting fat out of their diet, but especially for athletes who need that fat, you know, for absorption of nutrients and to keep their body fueled and appetite satisfied and to protect their joints and organs and aid in recovery and all of these other awesome benefits of healthy fat. So I, yeah, I really do believe that, you know, when we started cutting fat out of the way, out of our, I don't like to use the word diet all the time, but just out of, you know, our daily nutrition regimen, we started eating a lot more sugar. And it's that sugar that's really causing people to gain weight and have cravings and imbalanced moods. And there's just not really anything beneficial to eating a really high carbohydrate or high sugar diet. Okay. So as you started including some of those healthy fats with your patients, were you able to see better results? Yeah, it's just incredible. I mean, I, I don't really find it that amazing anymore because I see it work over and over and over. But you know, with all of my clients, when they start incorporating healthy fat, it's just, I get the same results every time. I mean, it, it helps them with weight loss. It helps them feel more focused at work. They have more energy. They're more satisfied. They don't have the sugar cravings, like just by incorporating healthy fat. And I think even people that are, you know, kind of realize that when things are lower in fat, they're higher in sugar, you know, even, even when they realize that there's some healthy fats, like, you know, butter and olive oil and avocados and things like that. Um, I think overall, we're still kind of in that, well, we are still in that low fat um, phase, I guess. And a lot of things, that we buy are automatically low fat. You kind of have to go out of your way to get the full fat version of a lot of different items. So even clients that come to me that already know my approach and already know how I feel about fat and they're kind of already on board with it, um, we have to be really intentional about including that every time they eat because it's just too easy to just eat the standard American diet of you know just eating a lot of carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. So you know for myself, yeah, I mean I totally follow the whole grain low fat way of eating. To be a dietitian because that's what I was taught to be healthy. And so I fell for it too at one point. And I didn't feel, I just didn't feel great, you know, and I knew I could feel better. And it was when I really started incorporating those healthy fats and reducing my intake of carbohydrates that I just felt so much more energetic. And I just totally believe in my heart that our body was designed to metabolize all three of those macronutrients. And it frustrates me so much that fat is still demonized. Mm -hmm. So give me some examples of some of those healthier fats that we can be including in, in our diet. 
Yeah. So I mentioned like the avocados and, you know, nuts and seeds and butter is a big one. You know, people, <laughs> people still seem to think that um, butter is something to be afraid of, but it's, it's really not. It's just one of those great natural fats that supports our metabolism and brain function. Heavy cream is one of my favorites. You know, every morning when I drink coffee, I either put butter in my coffee or I put heavy cream in my coffee to get that good, healthy fat. Um, all, you know, almonds, pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, um, walnuts, macadamia nuts, even mayonnaise, full fat mayonnaise. I, you know, and people have to realize there is a difference between the Miracle Whip that can't even, it can't even call itself mayonnaise because it doesn't meet that standard of identity criteria to actually be called mayonnaise. So it has to, you know, say mayonnaise and full fat, preferably. Um, cheese, if you can tolerate cheese, um, a lot of my clients that, you know, are kind of intolerant to dairy are still able to eat cheese or heavy cream because of the high fat content and it's a protein that their body that doesn't really agree with their body so cheese is something that um is can be considered a healthy fat coconut milk is a great one coconut oil is also awesome that's the one thing in my kitchen that when i'm done using it i can like wipe it all over my face or my hands because it's so (laughs) good for you not just inside your body but on your skin as well (laughs) okay so would you call your strategy of eating paleo yeah, you know, I think everyone has a different idea of what paleo means, you know, whether it's some people include dairy and paleo, some people don't, some people some people don't think paleo includes nuts or seeds. I just call it a real food way of like a balanced approach to eating because I think something different works for everyone. I mean, with my clients, my strategy is totally individualizing and figuring out what works for them. You know, mm-hmm. some of them can't do dairy at all. Some of them can do dairy, but um, you know, can't do grains at all. I don't encourage grains, but if some people want to still incorporate, you know, grains here and there, that's their choice, and I'll meet them where they're at. But I think um, overall, my approach to nutrition is balanced eating, I always say PFC, eating protein, fat and carbohydrates, and focusing on real food and getting those carbohydrates from vegetables, you know, preferably the non starchy vegetables, like your salad vegetables, like broccoli and cauliflower and spinach. um, And then, you know, fruit in moderation, but you know, since fruits high in sugar, I always recommend vegetables vegetables first and then just kind of trying to stay away from those grains and beans and bread and pasta and things like that. Okay. So Cassie, tell me, you're you're a runner and you've completed several marathons now. Tell me a little bit about your history with running and and kind of how you got into that. Yeah, I guess, you know, I kind of got into running just after um, high school when I was in college. I just wanted to stay in shape. And since I wasn't doing gymnastics anymore, I thought, um, you know, it's something that I just kind of picked up along the way. And I hated it at first. I remember when I first just I hated running it. But I always felt so good after. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of what um, kept me with it. I never actually even thought that I would run a marathon. It was never a goal of mine. And I, I kind of like to lead an adventurous life. I like doing, you know, things like I like skydiving and I like outdoor rock climbing and just um you know I backpacked across Europe for a couple of months um a couple of years ago and I love doing things like that so I think one day um when I was in high school I was actually the captain of the golf team and my co-captain she called me when I was um right after college and said hey you want to run a marathon and I said eh not really and then I, I thought about it and I said you know what why not <laughs> so I that's kind of how I got into marathon running and when I was first um yeah when I when I was first running marathons I I you know researched a ton 
ton about nutrition because obviously I was, you know, becoming a registered dietitian at that point, mm-hmm. and I still wasn't quite sure what my stance was. I still had that in my heart that I thought real food was best. But then you hear so much about the carbo loading and how you need to just eat carbohydrates to fuel yourself for a marathon. So actually, that's what I did before my first marathon. I even wrote an article. Um, for a major publication on carbo loading and how I thought it was beneficial to be eating these complex carbohydrates. And that's how I trained. And, um, you know, it seemed it it worked okay, but I had to fuel constantly. I -hmm. had to be, you know, drinking Gatorade or, you know, those goos and gels. I had to constantly be putting that fuel into my body because my body just kept burning off those carbs. So now that I look back, it makes total sense to me. But the way that I fuel now is so much different than the way that I fuel for my first marathon. Okay. I, I pretty much focus on real food right now. Like just, just like my approach to eating is in general, um, I don't carbo load. I focus on making sure I'm getting enough fat and carbohydrates in as well, because that's what really sticks with me. Mm-hmm. You know, my favorite meal, um, my favorite pre-race evening meal, like the night before would be some, some type of protein, whether it's, you know, tilapia or salmon cooked in some olive oil or butter topped with avocado, you know, probably with a big sweet potato on the side and maybe a big salad. So I do up my carbohydrates the night before my runs, but I also make sure to get in plenty of protein and plenty of fat, not just the carbs, because mm-hmm. although those carbs are burned for energy, that protein and fat are the two macronutrients that have that power to really hold you over. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, even on the course, I, I'd stay away from Gatorade. I'm not a fan of all the dyes and just the sugar. There's not really a lot of nutrients in Gatorade. I do use um, a product called Endura that is an energy drink that does have sugar in it. So I'm not a big fan of just eat, just drinking sugar all the time. But what I like about Endura is it, it has some of the carbs, but it also has a lot of the um, vitamins and minerals and magnesium in it too. And it doesn't have any sugar alcohols or any artificial sweeteners. But my main thing on the course that I feel with is real food. Like okay. my last marathon, I had someone with a bag of grapes for me. I had some someone with a banana. I had someone with an orange and I have, um, I bring coconut oil. I'll bring some peanut butter. You know, I tell people to be careful because, you know, fat takes longer to digest. So if you're not used to having fat when you're running, um, Mm -hmm. it might not be a good idea to try that on race day. You know, don't try anything new on race day is always a good, um, popular piece of advice for good reason, but just trying different fueling strategies and finding what works and doesn't work for your body during training, I think is really, really important. And it's possible to stick with real food for the most part. Okay. So you mentioned that you bring coconut oil with you. How, how do you do that? Is it like a single serving packet or what? I'll just put it into like a plastic baggie. Okay. <laughs> so okay. nothing really um, to it. Sometimes I'll put it like between slices of bananas Okay. Um, or just mix it in with some fruit. Yeah. You don't know, just keep that in my little pouch that I wear around my waist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you also mentioned that runners really shouldn't be trying anything new on race day. And mm-hmm. since I've moved to a more real foods diet, I've noticed my gut health. And I think that's what you were referring to is that your gut health actually increases a lot. And that's something that you work with. Have you found that doing a more whole foods or real foods diet has improved uh, people's gut health? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and there's so many, especially when it comes to running fuels, a lot of those popular running fuels out there, whether it's the goos or the gels, um, they're loaded with sugar alcohols or artificial sweeteners, because that way they can say they're lowering calories, which, you know, it doesn't really even make sense to me. Because if you are going to get some carbohydrates in to fuel your run, I think it's important to just get real sugar and not be putting all that, you know, all the artificial sweeteners and sugar alcohols into your 
your body, but that just wreaks, you know, havoc on your gut because sugar alcohols, they're not even digested. They ferment in your gut. And a lot of people don't realize that they can cause digestive issues a lot later. I believe it might be up to 72 hours after you have whatever had the sugar alcohol in it. So if you've got, you know, if you feel cramping or have just digestive issues a couple days later, oftentimes you don't relate it back to whatever you ate with the sugar alcohol. And this can kick in right away. It's not always just a couple days later. Like if you're using, you know, if you're fueling with things that are loaded with sugar alcohols or artificial sweeteners during your whole marathon, um, nobody wants to experience, you know, the runner's trots, um, a lot of, you know, runners <laughs> call it runner's trots. No one wants to experience that dreaded runner's trots or those GI issues when you're running. Like that's the last thing you want. And plus when you run fast, your digestive system runs fast too. So there's a greater chance of experiencing digestive issues while you're running, which mm-hmm. is why I think it's so important to just be fueling your body with real food and not putting all these fake foods into your body, especially while you're running. Mm-hmm. You know, Cassie, well, a little bit before we started recording, you mentioned that you recently ran the Twin Cities Marathon and you tried a different training approach. Can you tell me a little bit about that? <laughs> well, you might want to call it a lack of training approach. Um, yeah, it wasn't smart on my end. I always recommend, you know, I, I think I think there's something to be said about following a training plan, just working your body up to the marathon distance. And that's not what I did for this marathon. I actually, uh, my training strategy was pretty much not training because I knew that I wasn't going to have time to train. And I just kind of wanted to, um, I actually wanted to run it with my mom. So my, my mom had never run a marathon and she asked me to run it with her. And I thought, you know, I, I've done marathons before. I did the same marathon last year. I'll probably still be pretty trained. I've got the confidence since I've done a few already. Um, you know, she's never done one before. I'll probably just be able to keep up with her. And it was a really bad decision because my training plan was pretty much one run a week on Saturdays with my mom. And if she was out of town, I would just skip the run. So I wouldn't run. <laughs> um, and I, you know, my first marathon, I overtrained. I followed a training plan to a T. I didn't listen to my body. I didn't sleep so tired because I didn't realize how much more sleep I would need when I was training for a marathon, which, you know, it sounds kind of obvious, like, well, yeah, your body's going to be tired. But I didn't really think about that. I didn't really factor that in. It was already hard enough for me to skip social activities on Friday nights because I had long runs on Saturday morning. So I didn't really make a lot of extra time for sleep. But after my first marathon, I was so tired. I remember waking up on race day and just being exhausted. So I told Mm -hmm. myself if I ever ran another one, I wasn't going to train like that because everything I teach to my clients and my followers and things that I put on my blog, it's all about balance. You know, I'm all about balance, the foundation of just everything I believe in. So it just didn't make sense to me to not listen to my own body. So then for my next marathon, I didn't run it too long after my first, it might've been six months after my first marathon. Um, I was still kind of trained for my first marathon and I just ran when I wanted to. I didn't really follow a training plan and it actually worked out pretty well for me. I wasn't too um, tired on race day and I felt pretty energetic and I ran the best marathon that I've ever run. And then um, I guess, you know, and I had another one in between that I, I did decent at. I did okay at. I kind of did the same training strategy. But for this one, it was just kind of the perfect storm. Like I was telling you, Aaron, I um, had my business had a booth at the expo beforehand. And I was the keynote speaker speaking on nutrition for running the night before the marathon. And um, it was a really stressful week leading up to that. So I've, I had, you know, high levels of stress. I hadn't slept the whole week. My Even my nutrition was a little out of whack because I had been at the expo 
expo and I'd brought food, but it just wasn't usually what it is. Um, and I woke up just so tired and I was so sore from being on my feet for the last few days. And it just was kind of the perfect storm going into it. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely something I wouldn't recommend doing. I wouldn't recommend running a marathon without training. And I would really recommend just listening to your body and honoring your body. You know, mm -hmm. just like I think it's just downright mean to restrict our bodies of nutrients we need, like fat, like we talked about, or calories. I also think it's dishonoring to be um, putting your body in like this environment or this state of stress for me, which was running 26.2 miles without training up to that. Um, it just wasn't really honoring my body. And I really want to treat my body with respect on a daily basis so that it rewards me by working to its best ability. So mm -hmm. that's kind of an experience that <laughs> I really learned from. Um, and even though it wasn't smart, and I kind of knew that going into it, I really, uh, it my body just wasn't too happy with me after I was extremely sore. And I just, I didn't feel good. And it was really hard. I'm actually almost surprised that I even finished that marathon because I was in so much pain. And I just forced myself to keep running because I knew if I stopped, I wouldn't be able to start up again, because it was just so painful. And right. that's not something that I really recommend to anyone. <laughs> not so what are you your gonna... body's in pain, you have to listen to it. <laughs> well, what are you going to be doing for your training for your next one? Well, I'm or not is there sure. is there a next one in the future for you? I don't know if there'll be a next one. To be honest, you know, I've really been um, just kind of trying to incorporate balance into my life overall. And for me, I don't know if marathon running is balanced for me. I'm not saying mm -hmm. it's not for anyone, but um, I love running. And I like I mentioned, I didn't love running when I first started. And in all honesty, I didn't love running during that marathon last weekend. I don't love when it feels like a chore when I feel like I need to clock in a certain amount of miles just because mm -hmm. some training plan says I have to or because I feel guilt if I'm not running I kind of want to just run again for the pure enjoyment of running mm -hmm. not because I have to but just because I want to and because I like it and I enjoy it and I like feeling energized after my runs and I think there's like a certain threshold I think for me it's just like you know three to six mile run I love starting my day with that and feeling energized after but I just don't really feel energized after running you know 15 or 20 miles on a Saturday morning so for me I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take a break from it and just kind of get my body body back on track, heal my body again. And I've actually had a couple knee surgeries already. Okay. And it's kind of crazy. I think that I'm still running marathons. I used to actually boast that the last words of my orthopedic surgeon were just don't become a runner. And I, used to, <laughs> I used to laugh and say, look at me now. But you know, get after you know, a few years later, I feel like I'm a little bit wiser. And I can tell that my knees really take a toll after a long run. And I just don't really want to play games with my body. I, I kind of want to just honor my body. So for now, I don't think I'm going to be planning any marathons in the near future. Yeah. And we'll see. I'm not saying forever. I'm I'm also a fan of, you know, never say never. I mean, I might change my mind and feel really good and um, do another one down the road. But um, for now, I think that's just a choice that I'm making to just heal my body and see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Running can be tough. I know I, I did a 20 miler three weeks before Twin Cities. And I after that, I for some reason, I didn't eat for a couple hours afterwards. I just wasn't hungry. And mm -hmm. I, I ended up getting a, a flu bug or something like a cold right after that. And I think it was due to the fact that maybe I didn't eat right away after. I don't know. Do you have any tips for on that? Yeah. You know, I always, and I know what you mean. Sometimes it's hard to um, eat right after a run. I always recommend actually waiting for like 30, 30 to 60 minutes is like the time frame that I recommend eating in like after you're done with the run, because you kind of want to get your body out of that stressed flight, you know, fight or flight mode um, and just kind of get into mostly digest the meal that you're eating. Mm -hmm. But smoothies are a big favorite of mine for when I'm done running, because okay. I know that feeling when you just don't really feel like 
like having a big meal, but I still think it's really important to be getting in some balanced nutrition and you can make those really balanced with, you know, protein. If you do yogurt, you can do Greek yogurt. You could do a, um, whey protein powder for fat. You could do coconut milk. You could put heavy cream in it, peanut butter, half an avocado, coconut oil, anything like that. And then for carbs, you know, you can put your veggies in there, put some spinach in there, maybe a tomato, maybe put some fruit. And that's a pretty good balance that protein, fat and carbohydrate to kind of just replenish your body afterwards. And just to get those blood sugar levels stable too, because after a long run like that, uh, we really need to, you know, heal our body. And if you've ever experienced a lot of my clients know what I'm talking about when I say runger, like that (laughs) feeling like eight, six to eight hours after your run, when you feel like you're just, you feel like you're so hungry and you could just eat anything in sight. Mm -hmm. And that's usually because if we don't eat right away after our run, our blood sugar levels kind of keep dropping and the key to moods and keeping those cravings away and just that consistent energy levels is blood sugar regulation. So I think it is really important, even if you're not hungry, to eat something like a half hour to an hour after your run. Okay. So Cassie, it's been very interesting talking with you today. Where can people go to find out more about you? You can go to dietitiancassie.com. I'm also on Twitter at dietitiancassie, um, on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, kind of all over those social media sites and posting nutrition tips every single day. Great. Well, thanks so much for being on the show today. It was, it was great talking with you. Thanks for having me, Aaron. You've been listening to another episode of Paleo Runner Podcast. For more information, go to paleorunner.org. Thanks for listening.